0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: G'day, mates. It's B Buster here. So before the episode begins, I would just like to say a huge thank you to CastBox for helping me make the CastBox original, Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, and you can find all of your favorite podcasts there. Personally, I think CastBox is the best podcasting platform out there, and I hope you guys check it out, because I think you'll be surprised at just how much variety they have, and how user-friendly their app is. Anyway guys, thanks for listening, and without further ado, let's begin. I'm a cop and I keep getting called to the same house. Part 4 by Barkles 52. Why was there a photograph of Michelle just standing there with me? This made just no sense and I opened my mouth but nothing came out. I'm not sure if it was shock or utter confusion but my dad saw it in my eyes and as soon as he locked with them he knew that I'd figured it out. How about we go sit down upstairs and talk, Sarah? I didn't want to sit down, though. I felt a whirlwind of just different emotions rush through my body, and I began to feel dizzy, in fact. I grabbed onto the old wooden stair railing and caught my balance. Dad, what the hell is going on? Sarah, let's just go sit down and talk, okay? I didn't want to go and sit down, but my body gave me no choice. We went upstairs, and... I sat down on the couch. My dad walked into the kitchen and I heard a pop. He walked back out with a bottle of Merlot in one hand and two glasses in the other. He sat down and poured each of us a glass. You know, this was always your mother's favorite one, he said with a shaky tone. I looked up at him and saw that he had a tear rolling down his cheek, past his mouth and dripped onto his hand. I needed answers and... I needed them now though, so I asked. Dad, why do you have that photograph? He took a long sip of his glass of wine and began his explanation. <sighs> Where do I even begin? Look, I met Michelle many years ago, only a couple of months after your mum passed. I was on duty and got a call for service in the park. Michelle had, uh, she'd uh, found something there. I stopped him. I spoke with Michelle's grandmother, Rose, and she told me about Michelle's gift. My dad's eyebrows raised, and he slowly nodded his head. Ah, so you know already. Well, Michelle sensed that there was a young girl buried in the park, and sure enough, there was. We were all so impressed with her gift that we began using her for help for unresolved cases. Michelle and I... Uh, we got to spend a, a lot of time together working those cases and we became very good friends. One thing led to another and we uh, we became romantically involved. My dad glanced down and shook his head. I was, I was so happy and yet I just felt so guilty and ashamed for being happy so soon after your mother passed. We agreed that it would be best to not tell anyone about us whenever we wanted some normalcy we took you kids to the amusement park in the city and we just told you that we were friends and that's where that photograph was taken why didn't you tell me about this when I started asking you about about Patch Lane and about Michelle Klein my tone grew louder as I began to become angry that my dad my best friend had lied to me well I didn't lie Sarah I told you I'd been to Patch Lane for the ATF raid, which was true. I'd been there before I ever met Michelle. I just left out the fact that I'd been there additional times. He paused and then continued. And you never actually asked me about Michelle. You were here talking to Tim about her. When I heard you say her name, my heart stopped, I must admit. I thought she died 20 years ago. And that's the God honest truth, I tell you. First your mum and then Michelle. I just kind of gave up hope after I lost Michelle. Well, at least when I thought that I had lost her. When you asked me about the tenants in that house, I just did my best to describe her. But like I said, she had a reputation around town and she wasn't the kind of girl our family and friends would have want me seeing. Of course, the reputation was entirely unfounded and I just, I wished I could have helped her out of it. I could feel the anger stir inside my gut. How the hell can you say that that wasn't lying to me? You're right, okay? By admitting the truth, I lied. And I'm really sorry, okay? I didn't tell you when you were little because of how soon your mum had passed. You barely even understood what death was back then. And as time went on, there was just no need to bring up the past. So then, what did happen to Michelle, Dad? Dad? Well, moving into that house was a a horrible mistake for her. That house was haunted by its past and its present too. Her gift became more of a curse and I always worried that it would be her downfall in the end. I mean, she knew that she was destined to die in that house. Nobody should ever have to experience what she did. When she found all of the guns that were hidden in the tunnel and in that room, she called me immediately. She wanted to report it to the police but... I remember what happened last time that happened. There was a mole in the department and they gave Joseph a heads up before the ATF raid so he had time to get out of there. He eventually just found new hidden root cellars and tunnels and rooms to hide this stuff in all over the farmland. And so I gave her the phone number of a friend of mine in the ATF and I'm not sure what happened after that. But somehow she ended up in witness protection. And Tim, did he know all of this and lie to me too? I was pretty much screaming by this point. What? Tim? No, he didn't know anything. He's straight as an arrow, Sarah. You know that. He's there when you need him, follows the rules and never sticks his nose where it shouldn't be. He still doesn't know any of this. I could feel the smoke pouring from my ears. I chugged the rest of my wine and just stormed out the door. My dad began to call out for me to wait, but I just kept going. I felt so hurt and so betrayed that he lied to me after all these years. I sped home and immediately opened a new bottle of Raceling, and I opted for a white this time because I was in the mood for chugging, not sipping. I didn't know how to cope with this stress, but I knew how to drink, that's for sure. I quickly emailed Sergeant Oakley and told him that I was going to use some unscheduled vacation time because of some personal family matters that I had to deal with. Sergeant Oakley may be tough, but he's a firm believer that if you aren't 100% mentally at work then you need to take a vacation day because you're only putting your life and your co-workers lives at risk by being there. I grabbed my glass of Raceling and went into the bathroom to draw a bath. I ran the water, added some bubbles and tested the water with my right toe first perfect. I stripped down and slid into the tub, closing my eyes as I slid under the water. I could hear the rain outside of my bathroom window just beating down rhythmically. It's been raining here for days now and while I hate the flooding and the horror that comes with it, man do I love the sound of rain. Wait a minute, shit, I just remembered that I promised Rose that I would go back to see her tonight. I leaned over the tub and texted Tim to swing by. I figured I could ask him to return her mug and let her know that I'd be back in a few days. He said that he would stop by after roll call and... I hopped out of the tub, put on my favorite comfiest sweatpants and curled up on the couch with Haley. I began to feel like she was the only one that I could really trust and never has betrayed me. I heard a knock at the door and jumped off my couch to let Tim in. I opened the door and was startled when... It wasn't Tim standing there. There was a, a girl about my age standing in front of me. She had long blonde hair, and I must admit that she was really pretty. She looked straight at me and said, Sarah Barkley? I was a bit on edge, so I hesitantly answered, uh, yes? Uh, hi. Uh, I know you don't know me, but I'm Samantha. You're working a case involving my mother, Michelle Klein? I scooped my jaw off the floor and said the first words that I could get out. Oh, uh, uh, hi. Thankfully, Samantha didn't let my awkwardness interrupt her. She continued. So, I'm here because I think that there's something you need to know. I finally could formulate a real sentence and offered her to come inside. She accepted and... I asked. So, what am I supposed to know? Well, when the marshal spoke to my brother and I, they said the reason our mum came out from hiding was because she found out that my brother had brain cancer and was dying. I responded, yeah that's true, they told me the same thing. Yeah, but see, that's the problem. I was confused. My brother, he doesn't have brain cancer, he's perfectly fine, he never had cancer. He doesn't even take medication for anything. He's perfectly healthy. My mind began racing at this point. Who said that she had cancer? Did Michelle tell the marshals or did they tell her? Why? Who would lie about that? I verbalized some of my questions. Do you know who told her that he had brain cancer? Well, yeah, kind of. The marshals told me that they were the ones who told her because they received notification. They said that they constantly kept checks on my brother and just to make sure that we weren't in any danger or anything. When I asked them for specifics, they said that they would have to get back and check their client case file and check who signed off on the supplemental report. When they went to check it though, it was gone. My gut tells me that I can trust the two marshals I spoke to, but now I... I don't know who falsely notified them that my brother had cancer. I began to realize that somebody intentionally lured Michelle out of hiding and knew that if Joseph Mueller saw her, that he would definitely kill her. Listen, Samantha, I absolutely want to look into this further, but I just used some vacation time and took off these next few days. I'm happy to help you next week, though. Samantha nodded her head in disappointment. Yeah, yeah, I know, uh, I'm sorry I even bothered you at home, I got your address from your chief, I was honestly pretty surprised that he gave it out, but he said you wouldn't mind me stopping by. Fucking chief fox, no surprise there, right? Samantha continued, I just wanted to offer my help though, that's all. I appreciated the offer and asked, yeah, thank you, how can I get a hold of you if I need you? Samantha gave me her phone number and her hotel address where she had been staying in town. I reassured her. I'll look into this, I promise, and I'll let you know what I find, okay? I just remembered about Rose's cup that I still had. Oh, and uh, I have your great-grandmother's coffee mug. Uh, It's a bit of a long story, but if you see her while you're in town, could you give this back to her for me? Samantha looked at me confused and asked, ''Which great-grandmother are you referring to?'' ''Rose, your mum's grandma. She used to live with you when you were little, remember?'' Samantha looked like she just saw a ghost and told me, ''Ah, Officer Berkeley, Grandma Rose passed away a few years ago. I'm going to need more than just one vacation day by the looks of things.'' I'll update all of you when I return to work. G'day, mates. So, I just wanted to take a quick break before the second half of the story to thank all of you guys for listening to Be Scared. If you're a new listener, welcome to The Hive. And if you're a long-time fan, thanks for checking out the podcast. If you could please take a moment to do me a favour to rate and review the show, that would be a huge help. And if you have any stories that you would like to submit for future episodes, you can send them to my email at Bish.buster at gmail.com. That's b-i-s-h dot at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and without further ado, here's the rest of the story. I was starting to question my own sanity. I mean... There's no way that I was sitting in the cabin talking to a ghost, right? I even held the coffee mug in my hand to prove it. There was just no polite way of asking the question that I had pounding in my head like a hammer on a nail. But I decided to ask Samantha anyway. Well, are you sure that your grandma is dead? I couldn't tell if Samantha was offended or just surprised by my question. She thought about it for a moment and said, Well, yeah, I mean, I think so. Why would my aunt lie to me about that? That was her mother, after all. I asked for clarification. So, this aunt of yours would be your mother's aunt too, right? So, she's actually your great-aunt. Samantha nodded her head in agreement. Yeah, I just never have called her or thought of her as a great-aunt since she's pretty young because of how old my mum was when she had me. I pressed her for more details. Do you remember exactly what your aunt told you? Samantha's glance moved to the upper right of the room while she was deep in thought. Her eyes came back down and met mine as she answered. Yeah, I remember when she got the phone call. She said it was the police department and they notified her that Grandma Rose had passed my aunt was so upset because when she asked for the body and what next steps that she could take they told her that because there was no family left in the area that it took them a long time to contact next of kin at which point grandma rose had already been cremated it broke my aunt's heart and it seemed like every time she tried to call the station to ask questions they told her everything was gone and that there was just no need for her to come up for anything i began to wonder if the mole had something to do with this. <sighs> Samantha, I don't know what's going on here, but your grandma Rose is very much still alive. Samantha began to tear up and before she broke down, I stopped her and said, here, let me write down your address for you and you can go see her yourself. She'll be so much happier that you're bringing this mug back than me, that's for sure. I wrote down the address handed the mug to Samantha and the puzzle pieces began coming together. What if the mole in the department is behind this all? But Why? I thought about all of the phone complications Rowan was having and blaming Samuel for them. Why didn't Rose try to call any of her family? Did she ever try? Did someone cross her phone wire so that any outgoing calls would be screened first or something? If this is the case, it has to be related to whoever has the ability to make all of those 911 hang-ups and knows the phone system inside and out. I walked into my kitchen to grab another glass of wine and realised that there's only one thing that could calm my mind more than wine. My Aunt Maggie. I decided to take a weekend getaway to Aunt Maggie's. She's been there for me all my life and if anyone could help me sort through all of this, it's her. I always feel better after speaking with her and spending time on her secluded farm. She just has a, a way of putting things into perspective. But between her classic farmhouse, vibrant garden, and acres of nothing but fields, it's the perfect cocktail for relaxation. So I grabbed my phone and tiled her number. The sweet voice that I know so well answered the phone with an almost singing greeting. Hello. Hey Aunt Maggie. Hi, honey. How are you? Hey, uh, I was wondering, uh, can I come and spend the weekend with you? I need a mini vacay right now. Sure, you know that you're always welcome here. Thanks, uh, do you mind if I bring Haley with me? Uh, Haley? Who's Haley? Is this a new friend? Uh, sorry, um, no, uh, it's my cat that I recently adopted. Oh, uh, I didn't know you got a cat. Your dad didn't mention your cat when we last spoke. Anyway, I'm looking forward to meeting her. Make sure you drive safely and I'll see you soon, okay? I grabbed some clothes from the closet and my toiletries from my bathroom. A packing took about ten minutes and I then collected Haley's food, bowls, bed, litter box and supplies and it took me longer to pack her stuff than mine. Once I had everything ready though, I loaded the bags into the car, grabbed Holly. I put her in her new carrier and headed for Aunt Maggie's. I immediately began to feel my stress level decline as I pulled away from my driveway. After a short drive, I arrived at Aunt Maggie's home and it was beautiful, large, a two-story farmhouse with a wraparound porch. She took pride in her home and spent countless hours tending to the colorful flower beds that lined the long front walk and driveway. An avid gardener and home cook her vegetable beds were green and lush. Clearly all the recent rain had helped her crops too. Since I arrived later in the day too I was not surprised to see her sitting on the front porch working a crossword puzzle and enjoying a cool glass of lemonade. I knew she was waiting for me to arrive and that made me feel uh, really loved. Once she saw me she stood up and placed her crossword book in a basket beside the front door and walked down the front stairs to meet me. I must admit, it was uh, really nice to see her and I knew Hayley was ready to get out of the carrier too. She'd been meowing for the last 15 minutes of the ride and I guess she was just afraid of the unknown. I certainly can relate to that, that's for sure. Hi Sarah, how was your trip? Yeah, uh, it was good. No traffic, which was nice. I think I made the drive just between storms too. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I was... I was a little worried that you'd have to take an alternate route with all the storm damage in the area. I then remembered just how bad the storm damage was in some of the areas. Aunt Maggie's place luckily seemed to escape the brunt of the storm. So did you have any storm damage? Looks like you got pretty lucky to me. Oh, I'm fine. There was a little water in the basement and garage, but uh, nothing that I couldn't handle. It sounds like your new friend would like to get out of the car too, so how about we take her inside and I'll make you some dinner. I have some stuffed chicken breasts in the oven and green beans on the stove. As I walked through the front door, I could smell that chicken and the freshly baked bread resting on the kitchen island and the faint traces of homemade peach pie too. And oh man, how wonderful it was to be here. It reminded me of all the times that I would stay with Aunt Maggie as a young child when my dad was working double shifts. Sometimes I I really did miss those days. Sarah, do you mind setting the table for us? I just need to pull the chicken out of the oven and rinse the green beans. Then everything should be ready to eat, okay? Uh, sure, yeah. I can handle that. Are the dishes still in the same cupboard? Yeah, uh, center section, lower shelf. The silverware is on the drawer beside the refrigerator, though. I immediately set the table and helped Aunt Maggie carry the heavy pots to the table. She really made a lot of food for just the two of us, but... I guess after making such large meals for so many years, she just couldn't break the habit. But we sat and began to load our plates, and everything smelled just so delicious and tasted even better. I didn't realize until the first bite just how much I missed my aunt's cooking. Everything is wonderful. I forgot how amazing your stuffed chicken breasts taste. Oh, thank you, but I can't take all the credit. The butcher shop always gives me the best cuts of meats and breasts, That makes the biggest difference when you're cooking. We enjoyed the dinner and I ate so much food that I could hardly move. I helped Aunt Maggie clear the table, load the dishwasher and put away the leftovers and we then retired to the front porch to enjoy a glass of racing and the cool evening air too. So, how's work? Are you busy? She asked. Oh, you have no idea. Between all the storm damage calls and the murder case that I caught last week... Things have been crazy. I'll be very happy once things return to normal and it finally stops raining. Oh, so are you on the Patch Lane murder case that I saw on the news? I'm glad you caught the guy. That jerk was no good from the word go. I guess his luck just finally ran out, hey? Since Aunt Maggie had grown up and lived in my area years ago, I thought she may be able to share some details about the Patch Lane farm. Hey... Did you know Joseph Mueller? Uh, Yeah, I did. Uh, Well, sort of. I never met him, but he used to call the insurance company where I worked all the time to report property damages on the farm. We handled and processed the insurance claims for his farm insurance provider since they didn't have a local office in the area. They found that it was more feasible to sub out all the claim work, and he always seemed to have a, a problem with his property, especially after a storm or renovation project. One time, he called and reported that someone had dug up one of his fields and he lost a $10,000 crop of corn. We don't handle crop damage claims, but he wouldn't stop calling. He claimed that he had property damage as well, so the firm sent a field technician to investigate. Turned out that he had dug up the field himself and had accidentally hit an unmarked utility line that sparked and partially burned the field. He was actually lucky that the utility company didn't press charges or sue him for the repair costs. We had a tough supervisor at the time, and he finally intervened and convinced the insurance company to terminate his coverage based on the fraudulent claim. My aunt went on to tell me that Joseph had a girlfriend working at the insurance firm, and she had tried to reinstate his coverage without a supervisor's authorization, but was fired when they discovered the policy change. Aunt Maggie had piqued my interest at this point, though. It was amazing that she knew all of this. Hey, you wouldn't happen to remember her name, would you? Uh, Yeah, I do, actually. Her name was Betty Ann, but everyone just called her Beat. I think her married name was Smith or Smooth or something like that. I'm not sure if she changed it after her divorce, though. Uh, I lost track of her after she left the company. How ironic. Chief Fox's secretary was named Betty Ann and he called her Beatbox. I couldn't help but laugh. What's so funny? Aunt Maggie asked. Well, uh, Chief Fox's secretary is named Betty Ann and sometimes he calls her Beatbox. We would always laugh about it since we didn't think that Chief Fox knew what a Beatbox even was. Wait a minute, I'll bet your Beatbox is the same one that I worked with all those years ago. There can't be too many women in the town called Beat, right? And if it's the same person, uh, she'd be close to my age, I'd say, or maybe a few years older than I am. I haven't seen her in years, but she used to have the prettiest chestnut brown hair. She always wore it in an old updo style with a black ribbon tied around it. She always thought that she looked like a movie starlet, but if you ask me, she looked more like a cartoon character. I couldn't believe it. The chief secretary had the same hairstyle? It had to be the same person. I pulled out my phone and began to scroll through my photos from our last apartment holiday party. I knew that I had a photo of her and I wanted to see if Aunt Maggie recognized her. I found one and enlarged the portion with beatbox. Does this look like her? Aunt Maggie studied the photo and said, uh yeah that's her. She's gained a lot of weight, though, and you can tell that she colours her hair now, I think. But that definitely looks like her. I began to wonder and talk to myself out loud. But how could Chief Fox not know this? Why would he hire her, then? To my surprise, Aunt Maggie actually responded to my rhetorical question. Well, I can't say for certain, but I wouldn't be surprised if Beat was made to sign a confidentiality agreement to not disclose a termination. Plus, it was much easier back then to just simply leave things off of your resume and whatnot. And now you can't get away with that because of all the technology and ways to check. My mind began to race. Could Beatbox be the mole in the department? Was the chief aware, or heaven forbid, could he be a part of the leak? chief was a straight shooter though granted a sexist straight shooter but nonetheless he was a fervent supporter of the justice system so I really didn't think that he could be involved but I had to be sure I mean people's lives are at risk here we stayed outside just long enough to capture the sunset and aunt Maggie and I then moved inside and reclined on the sofa she always watched the nightly news at 10pm, so I knew that she wouldn't want to miss it. I didn't want to worry her about beatbox, so I changed the conversation to a lighter topic, Haley, That wonderful little purr monster had won my aunt's heart too, and seemed totally at home, just nestled on my aunt's wingback chair. You know, our little friend here is a real angel. I'm actually really glad that you have her to keep you company. Yeah, she is, uh... I just, I never knew I could love her as much as I do. I wasn't looking for a cat, but now I just can't imagine life without her. I glanced at the mantel clock and it was almost time for the nightly news. I decided to refill our wine glasses and grab some popcorn from the kitchen. Aunt Maggie, she loved popcorn, so I knew that she would enjoy sharing a bowl with me. I settled on the couch and covered my legs with a throw. I didn't have to call Hayley because... She leapt from the back of the chair and landed squarely on my lap. I swear this cat has a blanket radar. Aunt Maggie laughed and commented on Haley's agility. Clearly her paw felt much better and it was healing. The news began promptly at 10pm and the lead off story was no shocker. More rain in the forecast. Aunt Maggie was the first to comment. I swear if it rains any more than this, I'm going to have to build an ark. I agreed and realized that I was probably in for a rough return to work. We would probably be inundated with calls for flooded basements, trapped elderly and stupid motorist calls for individuals who believe their vehicles could double as boats when the water rose too high for driving. Seriously, the amount of money the department spends rescuing these people could be better used for new gear and additional officers. Anyway, the next stories talked about the weather disruption to the local baseball league game schedule and landslides in the local community. Apparently, the league's supervisors were discussing a shortened season and wanted public feedback at the next meeting. The heavy rains had caused local hillsides to collapse, which created lengthy traffic detours along busy highways. After a short commercial break, the news anchor continued with the top stories. And, to my surprise, it was an update to the Patch Lane murder case. The news presenter said that earlier today accused murderer Joseph Mueller posted bail of a million dollars and walked out of the local county jail. His trial is set to begin sometime in early 2019. What the hell? That bastard was supposed to be remanded until trial based on flight risk. Who posted the bail and what the hell was that judge thinking? I immediately texted Tim, did you see that Mueller posted bail? Instead of texting. Tim was calling me. Hey, uh, listen, I know that you're on vacation, but we have a huge problem. Mueller flew the coop, and the marshals are worried that he's actually after you. They're looking for him now, but there's no telling where he's gone. They want your location so that they can send backup. This guy has a score to settle with you. Tim, why did the judge give him bail? This is a capital murder case. Well, apparently, his lawyer argued that he has advanced prostate cancer and requires pain management and chemotherapy treatment that cannot be provided in the prison. The judge bought the argument and set bail at a million dollars, and no one thought that he'd be able to post it, but within 30 minutes, he was walking out of the doors. Well, who posted the bail? Well, that's another problem. The paperwork is missing, and the camera above the bail office wasn't functioning. We have no visual of who posted that bail. If you ask me, it looks like Mr. Mueller had some help. The marshals were at the station all day following up on the case and it seems that log records are not correct and just key pieces of evidence are missing from the lockup. Needless to say, it was a a real shitstorm and the chief is not happy. The suits were all over his arse and they're threatening to pull rank and ask the state attorney general to intervene. Barkley... I think that we have a mole in the department, and I'm worried about you. Tim, uh, I have to go, okay? It looks like the marshals are calling me. Barkley, be careful, okay? Watch your back. He didn't tell me anything that I didn't already know. I answered the incoming call, and it was one of the marshals I had met during the investigation. Barkley, uh, we need to meet you now, okay? What is your location? is in the wind and we have no solid leads to his whereabouts. Ah, I'm visiting family one county over. I can meet you. No, uh, we'll come to you. Stay at your location. We'll be there in 20 minutes. True to his word, Marshal Compton and a few of his cavalry arrived within 20 minutes and it had begun to rain. He rushed to the front door and Aunt Maggie let him inside. Clearly, she was worried about me. Hi there, uh, I'm Maggie, Sarah's aunt. Hello ma'am, uh, I'm Marshall Compton with the US Marshals. I'm here to talk with Officer Barkley. As I walked around the corner, Marshall Compton redirected his conversation to me. Is there somewhere where we can speak privately? We can talk here in the living room. My aunt can stay as I believe you'll be interested in some information that she shared with me too. A protocol dictates that we talk privately, but... If you feel her information has a direct bearing on the investigation, we'll allow her to stay. Yeah, you'll want to hear what she has to say, trust me." Aunt Maggie offered the marshals a glass of lemonade and we walked to the living room. We sat down and the marshals began to talk. We were recently alerted to the inconsistencies with the patch lane paperwork by the district attorney's office and began to fear that, that there may be a, a saboteur in the department. We began to identify individuals with access to evidence and who would have the ability to alter documentation and all that. Since your department is small, we had a handful of suspects and we began to evaluate each one. Some of those individuals were quickly ruled out. Others remained under investigation until we could clear them. When we were at the station last week, I noticed the chief secretary, Miss Rhodes, pulled out the station parking lot in a, a newer Audi R8. I'm not the best with cars, but I did remember a lot of the guys drooled over her new car when she got it a year ago. Yeah, that car that's made for someone like 40 years younger than her, right? I know what you're talking about, but what's the significance? The marshal continued. Well, it sparked my curiosity, so I began to suspect that there was more to Miss Rhodes. I began to investigate her financials because... There is absolutely no way that she could afford that car and a police secretary salary. Hell, I can't even afford that car and my wife is a lawyer. Clearly, she has some other income that she's not reporting on her annual tax returns. We also took a good look at her credit report, and the woman has a serious shopping issue. Marshall Compton paused for a moment and then resumed. Listen, We have reason to believe that she's somehow involved with the Michelle Klein murder, but we're uncertain as to the extent of her involvement. We're waiting for a court order to dig deeper on the financials. Aunt Maggie then repeated her story of Beats' prior work experience and subsequent dismissal to the Marshals. They asked questions, some that Aunt Maggie could answer and others she couldn't. One lingering question, though, that no one could answer... Was why beat Lou and Michelle out of witness protection now? I mean, it made no sense. And, as quick as I could finish my thought, I heard a gunshot outside the window. I grabbed Haley, handed her to my Aunt Maggie, and directed her Aunt Maggie, take Haley and hide in the closet, okay? I immediately pulled my Glock 43 from my concealed holster and ran outside with the marshals toward the sound of the gunfire. Marshal Compton slammed the front porch door open with his polished shoe and ran outside. It was pouring down rain again, and I walked outside to find the other marshals on top of a woman just restraining her over near the tree line. She was screaming in a, a shrill cry, you bastards, you need to die too. Once the handcuffs were on, I placed my Glock back into my waistband holster. It was beat. Thank God she missed the window and fired into the side of the house. She must have followed the marshals here and approached through the woods or something and then made an attempt at my life. As the marshals got her to her feet, she saw me standing there and she took one look at me and I felt coldness. She said in a a much slower, lower voice than her previous cry, "'Don't you think this is over, Barkley?' The marshals loaded her into an unmarked Ford Explorer and began driving her back to the station. Marshal Compton offered to give me a ride back to the station to listen in on the questioning. I figured my little vacay was dead and gone at this point anyway so I took him up on this offer and got into his car. On the way back to the station, I told him everything that Rose and Samantha had told me. I told him about the visions Michelle had and I told him about how someone lied about Rose's death. I was interrupted by Marshall Compton's radio when someone announced they found Joseph Mueller and had him in custody. I sunk deeper into the car seat, relieved to hear that news. We arrived at the station and I headed towards our video surveillance room while Marshall Compton made a ride down the hallway towards the interrogation room. Since we're just a small town department, we can't afford the fancy one-way mirrors and several interrogation rooms. We have one room and we have a video camera set up in the corner. If anyone wants to listen to the interrogation, they have to do it from this video surveillance room, which is really more like a closet. I saw Marshal Compton sit down. Alright Betty Ann, you know why we're here. Why did you try to shoot Officer Barkley? Beat just sat there, staring at the corner of her shoe with a frown on her face. No response. Marshal Compton continued. Okay, let's talk about something else then. We know that you're involved with Joseph, but why the hell would you care about killing Michelle? I mean, that's his problem, right? She wasn't your problem. She knew nothing about your existence. It had nothing to do with you. He got Pete's attention now. What do you mean it had nothing to do with me? Joseph is my other half. Because of that bitch, he had to go into seclusion and hide all of these years. The only reason he didn't leave the area was because of me. He loves me. So, why now? Why did you lure her out of hiding? We know it was you that sent the memo to the marshals telling them that her son had cancer. He was bluffing, but it worked. Yeah, I did it now because I didn't have much time left. Joseph has stage four cancer. She paused to wipe her nose and hold her tears back. And... <laughs> His dying wish was to see Michelle dead. She ruined his life and she is the reason that we couldn't truly be together. Marshall Compton pressed her further. So why did you have to lie about Michelle's grandmother's death then? How the hell did you pull this one off? I I tried a while ago to lure Michelle out of hiding. I thought her grandmother's death would have brought her back but I was wrong. It was done though. I had to stick to the story. Pete smirked at the thought of how impressed she was with herself. Joseph and I have connections and we were able to make Rose's phone only make outgoing calls to this area code. All of her family lived far away so it was actually pretty easy to do too. She would just get error messages on her phone if she tried. It was all making sense now. This could explain the phone complications that Rose was having. Marshall Compton began thinking aloud. So then, that's why you faked Michelle's son's brain tumour. To lure her out of hiding? Beat met a full-blown grin at this point. Yes, I did. And it worked damn well, too. Marshall Compton jotted down some notes on his notepad and flipped back and forth between pages, making sure that he covered as much as possible. He asked, So, why would you make those 911 hang-ups from Patch Lane? How did that benefit you if... Officer Barkley found the body. Beat's grin washed away and anger took over. I never made any 911 calls. You think I'm an idiot? Nobody was supposed to find that body. Officer Barkley ruined this. That bitch just doesn't know when to stop. Why are you angry at Officer Barkley for responding there? Well, she's the reason I'm here, isn't she? I was going to let Michelle rot away in that locked room in the basement after Joseph got his final wish and I killed her. Officer Barkley is the one who somehow still found that body, and then she went snooping over at Rose's too. She just can't keep her damn nose out of my business. Marshall Compton fed off of her response. And what business is that? Pete slowly inhaled and released with a sigh. You know that. The ATF knows that. Not that it matters much now. Joseph ran guns for very important people. He made good money doing it too and spoiled me with the cash. We took care of each other. What kind of important people? Beat's eyebrows raised and her expression became serious. You would have to kill me yourself before I ever thought about giving you the names of those people. Anything you do to me, they would do way worse. Marshall Compton finished his questioning and they made their arrangements to transfer Beat to the local jail. I couldn't stop wondering, though, who made those 911 hangups that led me to the patch lane? Hell, who made the call that led me to Rose? Marshal Compton made his way back to me and reached out his hand. Officer Barkley, on behalf of the US Marshals, uh, I'd just like to thank you for a job well done. If you ever think about going federal, you should call me. Or if if you ever think about maybe a, a cup of coffee, you can call me for that too. He handed me his business card with a personal cell phone number on the back. As hard as I tried, I couldn't stop myself from blushing. Ah, thank you, Marshal. I'll keep that in mind. As flattered as I was, my mind switched gears completely and I thought of Aunt Maggie and Hayley. I swung by my house, shower, changed, and I threw a couple of my favourite white wines into a bag. After everything I'd just been through... I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I drove back to Aunt Maggie's and walked into her house. Despite the fact that it was almost sunrise, she was still awake in front of the television with Haley sitting on her lap. I poured each of us a glass of wine, sat back, and then let Haley crawl into my lap. G'day mates, it's B Buster here.